We are continuing our study of the habits of highly effective Christians that come from 2 Peter chapter 1. The habits are in verses 5 through 9. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting they have been cleansed from their past sins. We said our first lesson that that phrase, add to, is an interesting phrase. It, it meant to lead a choir or to keep things in tune. And so what we said then was God wants to make beautiful music out of your life, and these are the notes that he uses to do it. Which starts with faith. Add to your faith. You can't add to your faith if you don't have faith. So the whole process starts with putting your faith in Christ uh, as your Savior. But to your faith, you have to make every effort. That's spiritual diligence. Growth in the Christian life does not happen automatically. It takes an effort. Many of us can testify to that as we look back over our lives. When we stopped making an effort, we stopped growing. I mean, that's just the way it is. You, you, so you make every effort. You practice spiritual diligence to grow in your faith. And then to that, you add goodness, which in essence is choosing the best. And you make that commitment. I will choose the best. I will choose to live to please God. In order to do that, you need knowledge so that you can know what the best is. That's where we were last week. The question that's posed today is, how can you choose the best consistently? Let's be honest and say, sometimes we want to take the easy way out. Sometimes we just want to slide. I, I was talking with somebody one time and they were talking about a situation in their life and, and, uh, and they said, I just get so tired of always having to be the adult. You know, don't you get tired of having to be the adult sometime? Don't you wish you could just you know, throw your arms around and kick your feet and stamp and whine. But I don't, why do I always have to be the adult? Why do I always have to be the one to give in? Why do I always have to be the one to compromise? Well, we've all had those times where we really didn't want to choose the best. And that's where the next habit comes in. To your knowledge, add self-control. Self-control is the discipline to do what we know we should do. A lot of us know what to do. We just don't have the discipline to do it consistently. Since I spent over two decades uh, ministering in long-term care facilities, 
when I found this story, it, it, it resonated with me. Minister was visiting one of his parishioners and you know, she's in the bed and they're having a nice conversation about what's going on at the church and so-and-so says hi and all this. And he noticed that on her bedside table was a, a dish full of peanuts. And he liked peanuts. And he really, you know, sort of subconsciously just reached over and picked up a couple of the peanuts. Oh, they're good, you know. And in the course of the conversation, he just subconsciously is eating her peanuts. And he looks down and they're gone. No self-control. And he says to his parishioner, I am so sorry. I'm sure you were looking forward to those peanuts and I have eaten all your peanuts. When I leave here, I'm going to go to the store. I'll get you two or three bags of them and, and replenish your peanuts. And she looked at him and she said, peanuts? So with my health, they don't let me eat peanuts. My family brings in chocolate covered ones and I just suck the chocolate off of them. So today you're wondering why I did not develop self-control and not tell you that story, but you know, <laughs> you will remember it and you will tell it to somebody this week. But <laughs> what you learn in church? Well, let me tell you about chocolate-covered peanuts. So let's talk about self-control. The word that's translated self-control here means what it says, to exercise control over your desires and over your actions. It's making your heart be obedient. It's doing what you know is right. That's an area of battleground for everybody I know. I mean, we all know things we should be doing that we're not doing because it's too hard and we don't have that self-control. It's like when you join a gym and you don't lose any weight and you don't get any better because apparently you actually have to go and use the equipment there. You can't just sit out in the parking lot and watch the people going in and out. So how do you do what you know is best? How can you develop self-control? Let me say this at the beginning so that you don't misunderstand anything I say the rest of the morning. I am not implying that with some sort of severe self-discipline, you can keep everything under control. For the Christian, our self-control comes from our relationship with Christ. It's His control in our lives, where all of us, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, our souls, our whole person comes under the control of Christ. It's what Paul's talking about in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live as me, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In fact, self-control is not only listed here by Peter saying, make every effort to add self-control to your life, but it's listed by Paul in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, as one of the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. And so it's a, it's a balancing act, if you will. As we stay connected to Christ, the fruit of the Spirit grows in our lives. Part of that fruit is self-control. However, we are to make every effort 
to develop that self-control in our life. It's like we do our part, he does his part. So this morning, I want to talk to us about our part in developing self-control. The first step is to accept responsibility for self-control. How many times have you heard people say, well, it's not my fault. I wasn't raised right, my mom didn't love me enough, or I always got beat up as a child, or, you know, there's some kind of, you know, excuse as to why I am the way I am. Well, you just know how redheads are, or you just know how Irish people are, or you just know how whatever, you know, that's just who I am, and you're just going to have to accept it. We're hearing an awful lot of that in our society today. No, if you're going to grow in self-control, you've got to accept responsibility for it. Most of us are old enough to to know the name Jack Parr, who was Johnny Carson before Johnny Carson. He said, looking back, my life seems to be one long obstacle course with me as the chief obstacle. (laughs) And sometimes that's true, isn't it? We need to take responsibility. And I think there's at least three areas where we need to accept responsibility. We need to accept responsibility for who we are. You know, we are today who we are because of what we decided yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. You will be tomorrow what you decide to do today. And then we need to understand that. Yes, there are times when there are legitimate obstacles to us being the, the healthy, adjusted people that God created us to be. But at some point, we have to take responsibility. For some point, we have to let go of the past and and accept I'm responsible for who I am. I can no longer blame, you know, something that happened when I was six because I'm now 66 and it's time for me to accept responsibility myself. That might mean we need to get some help to learn how to do that and learn how to process. But at some point, we have to take responsibility for who we are. Second, we need to take responsibility for what we can do. You need to take responsibility for your potential, for what God created you to be, and flowing from that is what you've received. The gifts and abilities and blessings, the skill set, the things that you have, accept responsibility for what you can do. God gave you gifts and abilities, accept responsibility for using those. Let me just use this as an illustration. Last week we talked about increasing spiritual knowledge. And we saw that the primary source of spiritual knowledge is the Bible. And so if we want to increase our spiritual knowledge, we will spend time in the Bible. Now to add self-control to that means that we have to take responsibility in the matter of spending time in the Word. And doesn't it always seem that we never have time? You know, there's always something else. (laughs) I heard somebody who was not nearly as kind as I am. He said, all you people that say you don't have time to read the Bible, he said, here's what I want you to do. You get your Bible and you put it on top of your TV set. And then as you're sitting there tonight watching TV for three hours, let it remind you that you don't have time to read the Bible. <laughs> you know, but there, there's some truth in that, right? We need to accept self-control. Nobody can make you 
do what's right, it's self-control. Accept responsibility for that. I need to accept responsibility for developing these qualities in my life. But as I alluded to a minute ago, a big step in this will be to accept God's forgiveness for your past. Because we have found, I'm sure, that every time you try to develop a new character quality in your life, the devil is going to bring up your past and use that as a hook on your back to pull you back. And so Paul says in Philippians 3, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. You know how the devil works, and you know how some of the devil's allies work. You start a new diet, and you made the mistake of telling the wrong person that you started a new diet. And so they said to you, oh yeah? How long is this one going to last? You remember that time and that time and that time, right? You know, they're so encouraging. Oh, you're going to read the Bible through this year, huh? Have you ever made it out of Genesis? What do you think you're going to do different this year? Oh, you're going to go to church regularly now, huh? You think you'll make it to February? You know, I, I read the other day, and I did not research it myself. I just read, somebody said, that they have determined that January the 19th is the day that most people stop their New Year's resolutions. <laughs> and you're always going to have some good, good, good friends. Oh, yeah, you're not going to do it this time either. So if you're going to be successful at developing self-control, you're going to have to put your past behind you. You're going to have to accept God's forgiveness. I mean, there are things that are hindrances to us that are because we were sinners and we made sinful decisions. And if we're going to get through that, we're going to have to make sure that we accept God's forgiveness and put them behind us and focus on what he wants to do with us now and what he wants to do with us in the future. And remember this, the devil will do everything he can to make sure you remember when you messed up. God does not operate that way. That voice in here saying, ah, it's not going to be different this time. That's the devil. Just stop listening to it. And remember God's forgiveness. And when he forgives us, he puts our sins in the sea of his forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us anymore. You've got to accept God's forgiveness. Third, talk to yourself. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. <laughs> I know, a lot of us do that anyway. Where did I put my keys? Where did I put my glasses so I could see to find my keys? You know, <laughs> I'm not talking about that kind of talking to yourself. Titus chapter 2, the grace of God has appeared to us, teaching us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Grace of God has appeared to us to teach us to talk to ourselves and to say no to ungodliness and worldly desires. boy went home from school and he had had a math test and his dad asked him how he went. He said, man, I failed it. His son said, son, that's negative talk. You need to be positive. Dad, I'm positive. 
I flunked my test, you know. <laughs> but we need to, you know, ev- here's the truth. Eventually, you believe what you hear repeated often enough. I mean, we've seen that in our society. You repeat it often enough, and eventually you believe it. So make sure that you hear yourself saying words of faith. Stop saying, I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. I never do anything right. And if you've got kids and grandkids and and young people in your house, stop saying that to them. You never do anything right. What's wrong with you? Are you ever going to learn? No, because that's what they grow up here. And let's be honest, some of us are still hearing those voices from our background. You never do anything right. You're never going to amount to anything. What's wrong with you? If you believe it, when you hear it often enough, make sure that what you're hearing are words of faith. I saw this happen a lot in my work in, in long-term care. And, and I, I talked to the people. I said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I'm sure it's true in your life as well. You wake up one morning and you're feeling pretty good. Man, I feel good today. And the first person you see says, are you okay? You, you don't look like you're feeling real great today. And the next person you say is, is there something wrong? You look kind of down. And you know, you know, within 15 minutes, you're feeling bad. And every once in a while, the opposite will happen. You wake up feeling pretty bad and, and so say, oh man, I love that blouse you're wearing. I love that shirt you're wearing. And, oh, you did something different to your hair. You look so good today. And before long, you start feeling better because you respond to what you hear. So speak words of faith. Now let me just do a couple of parentheses here. Words of faith, not words of stupidity, okay? It doesn't matter how many times I look in a mirror and say, I can dunk a basketball. I can dunk a basketball. I can close my eyes and visualize dunking a basketball. I'm going to draw it to me. I'm going to attract it to me. And I can dunk a basketball. Yes, I can dunk a basketball if you lower the rim till about seven feet. Then maybe I could dunk a basketball. So you, you understand what I'm saying. Don't be stupid, but speak words of faith. I can do all things through Christ. And, and by the way, don't minimize the challenges. Words of faith does not mean everything's great, everything's wonderful. I'm just going to trust God and it's going to be great. He's going to be with me in the fire. Oh, yeah, you got to go through the fire, though, for him to be with you in the fire. You got to go through a battle to have victory. And, and, and faith says, yeah, it's hard right now. My world's kind of crashing in around me right now. I don't know what I'm going to do right now, but I know that God's going to be with me, and I know that he is with me. And yeah, I'm kind of going through the valley of the shadow of death, but he's with me. So please understand, I'm not talking about this, you know, pretending that everything's great, but I'm saying that in the midst of the lifeness of life, <laughs> it goes back to Emmanuel at Christmas time, the shepherd in the midst of the mess of life, in the midst of the mess of life, 
you can do all things through Christ. And in the midst of the battles and the burdens, you can be more than a conqueror through Christ. So focus on your faith. Talk to yourself. God is with me. Yes, it hurts right now. Yes, it's hard right now. No, I don't see a way out right now. But I know that God loves me, and I know that he's with me, and I know that I will come through as more than a conqueror. So to do that, you have to believe that you can change. You have to believe that your messed up patterns from the past can be changed through God's help. Philippians 4.14, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He was not being arrogant. He was showing his dependence on the power of God to help him be successful. It's Solomon in Proverbs saying, as you think in your heart, so you are. And, and I like somebody said, you could just remind yourself, yes, I can with God's help. With God's help, I can get through this. With God's help, I can carry this burden. With God's help, I can heal from this heartache. With God's help, I can do it. Another element of developing self-control is being accountable. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And, and I've read often that people who, and I'm sure Jay could speak to this, that, that people who get involved in an exercise program or some kind of a health program do better if they have somebody doing it with them, if they have a workout partner, if they have an accountability partner. Because when you wake up and you don't feel like doing it, Hopefully, the other person is going to like, come on now, you know, just put your shoes on and put your, your gym clothes on. We can do this. And, and, and there's accountability. And, and there may be an area of your life that you're trying to develop self-control in. And you might want to invite somebody to be your accountability partner, partner like that. Say, you know, I'm working on this. Would you ask me two or three times a week? Would you just touch base with me and see how I'm doing? Uh, by the way, you don't get to do that for somebody else. You know, you don't get to go up to somebody and say, I'm going to be your accountability partner. I heard you say that you're going to, I'm going to, no, keep your nose out of your business. You might get it broken. But if you're invited in, I, I, I heard a, a leader of a Christian organization say this, he said he was having his morning staff devotions with his team. And he was challenging them, let's spend some time every morning in prayer and, and worship and meditation on the things of God. And he said, I suggest that you do that until you find something that you can hang on to through the day. Some promise, a verse, something that will get you through the day. And then he said, I give you permission that every time you see me through the day, you are free to ask me what I got from God this morning. Now see, that's, that's how it works. It's like, I'm asking you to do this. I'm going to do it too, and you can check me. You can make sure that I'm doing this. Now, don't do it unless you want them to do it. But it will help you develop self-control, perhaps, if you have some accountability. I'm working on this area. Check in with me a couple times a week and see how I'm doing. And then in a very practical way, if you're going to develop self-control, stay away from temptation. 
Ephesians 4.27, don't give the devil a foothold. Now that means you need to know yourself. You need to know your weaknesses and you need to build safeguards into your life. I am not giving this illustration to beat up on anybody who smokes. That's not the purpose of this. That's a, a hard, hard habit to break. I'm just using it as an illustration of staying away from temptation. There was a lady in one of our churches who was smoking and felt like she needed to stop smoking. And she said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to prove to myself that I can stop smoking. And I'm going to keep a pack of cigarettes on top of my refrigerator to prove to myself that I'm not going to smoke. It did not work <laughs> because the temptation was too close, right? If you have the tendency to eat the giant size package of whatever your favorite brand of cookie is, the best way to not eat them is don't buy them from the store. <laughs> don't bring them into your house. The same thing is true in every area of your life. Stay away from temptation. Don't be stupid. Don't try to prove how much self-control you have by putting yourself in the line of fire. Build guardrails into your life. Know your weaknesses. Know where the devil tempts you. And build some guardrails there. Some protection there. A very wealthy man who lived at the top of a mountain was hiring a chauffeur. And um, the road up to his house was one of those narrow, winding, switchback, you know, roads, mountain roads with a steep cliff on one side. And as part of his vetting of the people he was thinking of hiring, he asked them how close do you think you can come to the edge of that road without losing control and going over the side of the cliff? The person he hired gave this answer. Sir, I try to stay as far away from the edge as I can. That's a good lesson spiritually. Don't try to see how close to sin you can get. Stay as far away from the edge as you can. And the key to developing self-control is depending on God's Spirit. Galatians 5.16, live by the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And it goes back to what we said in the early stages of this lesson. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And Paul says in Philippians 2, the Living Bible paraphrase of verse 13, God is at work within you, helping you want to obey him, and then helping you do what he wants. As I said earlier, the secret of self-control is Christ's control. Peter says, make every effort to add self-control to your life. Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. We make every effort. We do these practical things that we've talked about this morning. And we stay connected to God. And we depend on His Spirit to make us more than conquerors. I mean, we've tried probably enough in our own strength to realize we can't do it. 
But if we plug into God's power, if we keep our relationship with him strong, as we make every effort, then he makes up the difference. And we do our part, and he does his part. And remember, Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. I could give you all kinds of here's how you need to start with self-control, but, but I, I just want to close with a prayer that David prayed in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5. I think this is the place to start. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God my Savior and my hope is in you all day long. There's a pretty easy outline there. You saw it. Show me. That's God, I'm going to choose the best. Show me. Teach me. That's the knowledge we talked about last week. Teach me. Guide me. That's the self-control. And it's interesting that twice he asked God to teach him. And so I suggest that maybe that's a prayer that you can begin with as you're developing self-control. God, show me your ways. Help me choose the best. Teach me what that is. And then guide me as I put them into practice in my life, as I develop self-control, and as I make my effort to do what I should do, and then as I depend on your spirit to develop the fruit of the spirit of self-control in my life. Lord, it doesn't take long watching the news to realize that we are living in a world that knows very, very little of self-control in any area. And so, Lord, that's one of the ways that we can be a witness to your power and your grace is by living lives of self-control, of doing the right thing in the right way, whether we feel like it or not, just because it's right. And, Lord, to do that, we need that supernatural help of your Holy Spirit to develop that fruit in our lives, but also we need to make the effort to do what we know we should do to develop this quality as we follow you. Lord, may we allow you to do your work in us. May we accept your forgiveness for where we've messed up in the past. May we stop listening to the devil when he tells us we're going to mess up again. And may we stay focused on you. And may we speak those words of faith that with Christ all things are possible. And we can make it with your help. So encourage us and strengthen us as we live our lives to please you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today. It's always good to see you. You're dismissed.